0: We meet today in Psalm chapter 64 to Psalm 66. Psalm 64 talks of the fact that the evil people may win, but God will ultimately judge them. Psalm 64 here is a prayer that the vicious plots of the wicked men against the righteous people of God might fail. The psalm may be divided into two parts. First of all, a petition against the devices of the wicked people, highlighted in verses 1 to verse 6. And then there is an expression of the certainty of divine retribution or divine judgment upon those who may even have come up against God's people. That is from verse 7 to verse 10. This psalm, also has a historical background, and that historical background is found in the life of David. Although we can't locate it exactly, it appears it is in the life of David. Prophetically, this psalm also looks yonder into the future, to the day when Israel will be in Jacob's troubles, that great tribulation period, and the godly remnant of Israel, We'll actually use this psalm. Someone might say, My, there certainly are a lot of psalms for the day of Jacob's troubles. Yes, there are. And the people are going to need every one of them. Also, this is a very fine psalm for you and me. In our time of trouble, we need to say words that come from this psalm, and God indeed will hear. Listen to how the psalm begins. Hear my voice, O God, in my meditation. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the rebellion of the workers of iniquity. Psalm 64, verse 1 to verse 2. That is a fitting heart cry of a person who has a relationship with God. And the psalmist says so. Once again, David is asking God to hide him. He prayed this kind of prayer time and time again, not just once. His refuge was prayer. It was the only refuge he had. Prayer is the only refuge Israel will have even in the day of tribulation. You and me have only one refuge, that is prayer. And we see here David calling on the Lord. This brief psalm also concludes with David's expression of his confidence in God. Not only God who is far away from him, but God, his God. He was his only hope. Psalm 64, verse 7 to verse 10, shows that confidence. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly they shall be wounded. So he will make them stumble over their own tongue. All who see them shall flee away. All men shall fear, and shall declare the work of God. For they shall wisely consider his doing. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord, and trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. What a confidence he has, seeing God punishing the wicked people and vindicating his own. Now, as I look at the world today, I have come to the conclusion that our hope is no longer in statesmen it's no longer in politicians it's no longer in our business people our hope is no longer even in science or in education they are all more or less failures education has failed us wealth has failed us politicians have failed us ask anyone ask any person in any country they will testify We are going to have to do what David did and what Israel will do in future. What did he do? He started looking up to God. Israel will look up to God. God is our only hope even today. God is your only hope, my friend, right now. With the circumstances of your life, it doesn't matter what they may be. The world around us will fool you that your counsel or your salvation, your hope will come from the person next door, from the east, from the west, from the south. Our hope is in the Lord. Some trust in chariots, some trust in welfare, some trust in weapons of of warfare, whereas David trusted in the Lord. Now, that moves us to Psalm 65 and Psalm 66. We are going to look at these two Psalms actually in combination. The Psalms talk of songs of the millennium, that kingdom. Beginning with Psalm 65, actually Psalm 65 has a simple purpose. Its purpose is to express thanksgiving for rain and harvest, which is an appropriate subject in an agrarian economy. In Africa we do have many economies that are agriculture based. This is an appropriate psalm to read. It is addressed to God in its entirety and it presents him as the God who forgives. That is from verse 1 to verse 4. Then it presents him as a God who intervenes in history, verse 5 to verse 8. And then the God who provides. This is where the agrarian aspect of it comes, verses 9 to verse 13. This psalm, 65, is inscribed to the chief musician, a psalm and a song of David. It is known as a restoration psalm, meaning of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began as enunciated in Acts chapter 3, verse 21. The restoration of all things does not mean that everyone is going to be saved. No, those who hold the doctrine of restorationism or restitutionalism use this verse actually to support their theory. Exactly what are all things that are referred to here which are to be subject to the restoration or to restitution. Well, in Philippians chapter 3 verse 8, when Paul said, I count all things but loss, did he mean all things in God's universe? Obviously not. So here, the all things are limited by what follows in the next verse. The times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. The prophets had spoken of the restoration of Israel, the restitution of Israel. Nowhere is there a prophecy of the conversion and the restoration of the wicked who are already dead. So those who die out of the faith, they have perished, my friend. Well, let's come to Psalm 65, beginning with verse 1. Praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion, and you, the vow shall be, and to you, the vow shall be performed. You see, this verse is not speaking about a heavenly Zion. It is a geographical spot down here on earth. I have been to that place. I saw the sign that pointed the the way to Mount Zion, and I went up there. And I didn't go to heaven that day. I can assure you of that. This is why I am still here, and I still speak to you. It is a long, hard pull up the elevation. When David speaks of Zion, he means that place. But listen to him saying, Praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion, and to you the vow shall be performed. That means even the high places must praise God. Psalm 65 verse 4, Blessed is the man you choose, and calls to approach you, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. You see, as a redeemed people, Israel shall express their happiness. The blessings of God flow to his chosen nation, Israel, Deuteronomy 7 verse 6 tells us, and to all those who are drawn to him by faith. His blessings flow to them. Among the peculiar privileges of the chosen people is the privilege of dwelling in the courts of God. That is why it is fitting of your Holy Temple, right there. David foresaw this as Israel's privilege. The believer foresees it as his privilege in the courts of heaven. Next is Psalm 65, verse 9 to verse 13. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain. For so you have prepared it. You water its ridges abundantly. You settle its furrows, You make it soft with showers. You bless its growth. You crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks, the valleys also are covered with grain. They shout for joy. They also sing. Isn't this wonderful? Everything sings. This is a beautiful picture of the millennia when the deserts will blossom like the rose and the earth at last is at peace. God always brings what he begins to fruition. What he planned, what he purposed, will always come to completion. Perhaps the greatest display of the goodness of God, apart from our own salvation, is the golden grain of summer. Fertility and abundance abound, and the footsteps of God are noticed everywhere. Not only people, but even the other creatures, the birds, the creeping things, will rejoice when the abundance of God is upon the land, and when the rain has come, lands that have been dry, purged, they also begin to be green. Animals that were even more exposed to danger will find hiding place and even abandoned food. God is a good God. God's showers of blessings not only fall gently to the ground at the habitation of man, But even in the wilderness as well. God is so good. What can nature do but join the voice of man to articulate his goodness? God is good. Thus they shout for joy. They also sing. When was the last time you shouted for joy because of God's blessings? When was the last time that you sang a song praising God because of his blessings? Though a psalm of national thanksgiving for some occasion of great deliverance, Psalm 66 also contains the king's personal note of thanksgiving at the end. And actually that begins from verse 13 all the way to verse 20. But that comes after the communal expression of thanksgiving, which was evidenced from verse 1 to verse 12. This psalm, Psalm 66, is actually to the chief musician. It is described as a song or psalm. Did David write it? Well, we are not told, but he could have written it. We are not given any historical background for Psalm 66 at all, but many people have suggested at what prompted its writing. It is a psalm of praise to God and a wonderful psalm of worship. Psalm 66 is designed to be sung as well as spoken. It celebrates the great deeds of God on behalf of his people and calls upon all nations to rejoice with them. It was apparently composed as a result of a special deliverance, That had come to the children of Israel a deliverance of such magnitude that the Jews alone could not give sufficient praise to their God. Thus the psalm expresses a universal call to praise the Lord God of Israel. So Psalm 66 verse 1 and 2 begins this way. Make a joyful shout to God all the earth. Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. You see the universal call, the universal invitation to praise the God of Israel. Make a joyful shout to God, O the earth. So good is God that all the earth is invited to join in Israel's praise of him. That praise is evidenced in the words, sing, say, worship. A thankful heart should reflect him. How awesome are your works. You see, the power of God is awesome, that even his enemies shall be brought to forced submission under his feet. How awesome are your works. Psalm 66 verse 6 says, He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the river on foot. There We will rejoice in him. You see, God's two mighty water miracles recalled here are actually the Exodus from Egypt, which involved the crossing of the Red Sea. And that is in Exodus chapter 14, verse 21 to 27. And then there is the entrance into the land of Canaan, the promised land, which entailed the crossing of the Jordan River, recorded in Joshua 3. Verse 14 to verse 17. So here we see God turned the sea into dry land. They went through the river on foot. There we will rejoice in him. Psalm 66 verse 8. Oh, bless our God, you people, and make the voice of his praise to be heard. You see, this verse looks forward to that day in the future when Israel will be restored to the land. Ezekiel tells us that in that day they will offer sacrifices. What is the explanation of it? Well, just as they offered sacrifices in the Old Testament that pictured the coming of Christ, in the future they will offer sacrifices that will look back to Christ's coming. Every lamb will point to the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, as recorded in John 1. Verse 29, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Psalm 66, verse 8. Well, the word regard here means here to look with favor upon or to plan. The believer must take the same attitude towards sin. And that is the attitude that God takes. A clear conscience that is one devoid of a desire for sin is actually necessary for effectual prayer. God will only hear when we are not considering or looking upon sin with favor. That is highlighted in Isaiah 59 verse 2, in Hebrews 10 verse 22, 1 John chapter 3 verse 21. You see, all believers on occasion happen to have a sin without aversion to it. Sin must be properly confessed, First John chapter 1 verse 9. It must be confessed before God can effectually be addressed in confirmation. That the psalmist did not have a secret sin in his conscience, he said, but certainly God has heard me. That's what he says in verse 19, but certainly God has heard me. Here is a wonderful lesson for you and me to learn. If you are contemplating, if you are looking upon sin with favor, if you are planning to sin, and you are then going before God to pray, he will not hear you. You will not be heard. Confess your sins before you approach God. Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Psalm 66 verse 20. That's what a great God does. A great God who brings us through fire and water, and hears our prayer, certainly deserves our worship and praise he deserves them thus it is fitting that this psalm concludes with a blessing you see it ends with that wonderful blessing blessed be god who has not turned away my prayer nor his mercy away from me you tie that together with part of verse 19 that says but certainly god has had me has god heard your prayer has god been attentive to your prayer The only reason that God will not be attentive to your prayer is when you look upon sin with favor, or when you look with favor upon sin, or when you plan to sin, God will not hear. If you confess your sin, he is faithful to forgive you, and the blood of his son Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and when we pray, God will hear. May God enable us to deal with sin in our lives so that our prayer lives would be effectual because he hears a cry that comes from a clean heart. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus 2772-641-4475. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code two seven followed by seven two six four one four four seven five. From within South Africa it's zero seven two six four one four four seven five.